Hi, I'm Elizabeth Noyce, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. McGurk! I love typing. Not mess with my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? It's becoming a human burrito, a plus or a minus. I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom. Because she looks like a boss in this house. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. So fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW's Supergirl TV series, or in this case, the C- the CBS's TV, uh, CBS's Supergirl TV series. Had to had to figure out <laughs> the uh, best way and most accurate way to say that. In the character of Kara Zor-El, my name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are live and wired on the Supergirl Radio face, uh, Facebook page and the DCTV Podcast YouTube channel to go back in time. Uh, and we're doing that because Morgan didn't review Supergirl episodes as a full-time co-host of Supergirl Radio until the episode Wor- uh, World's Finest, which aired in March of 2016. So we are revisiting the first season to get Morgan's thoughts. This week on Supergirl Radio, we will be discussing episode 11 of season one titled strange visitor from another planet which has uh, so much going on in it uh i'm sure there's going to be lots of uh now controversial things in the present uh that we wouldn't have known back in the past so that'll be uh, interesting to figure out how to discuss in the in the tents uh the different (laughs) tenses so we'll get there uh when we get there but we are going to be talking about strange visitor from another planet in season one. So I guess we should just hop in the Legion cruiser. We're going to go back in time to, to the year of our Lord 2016. So buckle, buckle up and get ready. Uh, we're going to travel back in time. Whew. It's me every time. <laughs> I am glad we have the seatbelts. That's, Thank that's God. very that's, <laughs> safety first. All right. So here is the official description of strange visitor from another planet. Quote, Kara must help Hank face his painful past when a white Martian, a member of the alien race that wiped out his people, kidnaps Senator Miranda Crane, played by Tawny Cypress, an anti-alien politician. Also, Kat's estranged son, Adam, played by Blake Jenner, arrives in National City, unquote. So this episode aired in uh, January 2016, January 25th, to be exact, and I mm. think this is the first time we've seen the White Martians on the show. I, I haven't been keeping so, track, but yeah. I think it's the first time. Uh, so I guess, Morgan, since I, I didn't get your initial thoughts on Supergirl Radio about the White Martians, I guess that might be a good place to start. What did you think about uh, Senator Crane here? Because she is the the first of the anti-alien politicians. She would fit right in in some of the later seasons yeah. of, of the future, I'm just assuming. Uh, but but uh, what did you think about uh, Senator Crane here and the White Martians? Yeah, if I could like put uh, bring out my crystal ball for a second <laughs> and just imagine what future seasons would be like, just go, hmm, I wonder what season four will be like. I wonder what <laughs> Sam Whitworth will be doing. What if we got Sam Whitworth on the show? That'd what? be great, right? Could, could you imagine? <laughs> Goodness. 
What a talent. He's such a good actor. Such a good actor. I bet his character will be real fun. <laughs> um, but no, I, I thought it was interesting. I was like, okay, maybe I shouldn't have been so hard on the show with their like differing levels of like alien stuff because clearly back in season one, there wasn't a, a storyline where there was like an anti-alien contingent. But then I thought, well, Maybe it makes sense, though, in season one, because it seems like the influx of aliens are fairly new. Yeah, it just happened. Yeah, just kind of happened. And so this is like the initial backlash, whereas when by the time you get to season four, they've been here all along. They've been here like in a Calvin Klein ad in the 90s or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Or like, um, you know, have they have like derelict commercials? I don't know. But it just seems like they sort of retcon that to the point where it's like, oh, yeah, no, aliens have been around all the time and everyone's known about them. And it's like, "Mm, okay, well, then why are these? Okay, it just seems like these people are mad suddenly, Um, (laughs) not like a longstanding madness. Uh, But who knows? Who knows? They don't they don't say, hey, this is like the platform she's run on for four years. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is. Maybe she's just been anti-alien this whole time. It does sort of make sense in the season one storyline where it's like suddenly National City is seeing a lot of aliens because of the, you know, the Fort Ross situation. I don't I really I wish they had the story, the show in general had nailed down like how around are aliens? (laughs) Are they all the Fort Ross ones? Are are there some Brian's in the mix? <laughs> just you know, just a guy trying to get by, scrappy. <laughs> He's just trying to make a living. <laughs> just trying to make a living. Maybe he'll scam you. Maybe he won't. <laughs> Maybe he won't. Don't judge him. He's Brian. <laughs> you uh, don't know his life. <laughs> Maybe he's Amadei. Maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah. So to me, it just seemed like it it uh, it opened up. That age-old Pandora's box I never want to open up when I'm watching, like, previous seasons where I'm like, wait a minute. What was the – oh, no. Like, what was the deal with the alien? Like, it's like when I look into that question, that question looks back into me. Uh, it's kind of that situation where I'm like, I don't know. So it's like sometimes I'm like, maybe I'm judging the show too harshly and maybe – in back in season one, they were trying to set up, you know, a universe where like the aliens were controversial because they'd always been around. Um, but that is not the vibe I was getting from this one. <laughs> if I'm being honest, that's not how it felt. <laughs> so I, I guess since we're we're talking about that, uh, one thing that I wanted to see if you could help me clarify something on regarding uh, Miranda Crane and her uh, dislike of aliens is I couldn't understand why exactly she didn't no, like aliens. I didn't get it either. Did you get it? You didn't get a like an explanation for that? No, I didn't really get an explanation for that at all. Uh, I assumed it was because of the like the Fort Ross escapees and sort of all of that mayhem that's been going on. But it also kind of seemed like she just hated Superman or Supergirl. Yeah, there were a lot of um, protest signs in the crowd that were like Supergirl's face with a circle and a line through it. <laughs> really, and I was trying, I was trying really like cutting edge stuff. If I'm being honest, <laughs> really creative signs. I didn't understand though why would why would they dislike Supergirl? Yeah, it felt 
like a strange choice. It, I, I, I feel like, oh, I hate to give them credit. I feel like the season four storyline was a little bit more fleshed out because I'm sweating. I'm sweating now. Uh, but like, at least they were like, yeah. And then every May. It destroys my brand new Kia Ultima. (laughs) You know, like I, I, you know, I could, I I wasn't on their side. They were like, they were wrong, but like, I could kind of understand, like it it was sort of the idea of like a slow boiling where it's like, you know, these bad things keep happening to the city. It's like, oh, my friend Kelly worked at Catco, just jumped out of the building. That wasn't her choice. (laughs) and, and like they kind of go back and they show you how these things happened and like sort of the radicalization. And in this it, here, it was just like Supergirl bad. It's like, why exactly? And I felt like the, the um, what's her name? Uh, Sir, Senator Miranda Crane. Like her position wasn't really very well articulated. She was just like, aliens are bad and I don't like them. And then you're like, why? And she's like, I just, I think I just told you about them being bad <laughs> and me not liking them. It's like, mm, any specific reason? No. Uh, yeah. So I just feel like at least season four gave you some sort of like soft answer as to like what was happening and like why the blowback, this blowback was sort of occurring. Whereas this, this episode, they don't really. It just seems like everybody's mad at Supergirl and all she's been doing is saving them. So, yeah, that I mean, I understand that Supergirl is an alien and this lady doesn't like aliens. So she lumps Supergirl in there. But there's no reason to dislike Supergirl at this point. That will come later on in the season. Uh, are, are the lab cats, do they, would they like to chime in on this? Punson has strong feelings about this. <laughs> Don't you, buddy? Yes. Oh, wow. That's yes, he does. Really he's like, strong. Objection. He's like, listen, listen, the alien thing has been bothering Bunsen for quite some time. <laughs> and he is really not keeps be, him up at night. Not going to be silent about it anymore. That's for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. So the, the alien thing didn't make sense. I thought initially that um, <laughs> Miranda <laughs> Crane, maybe uh, it was the white Martian trying to get. <laughs> Yeah, John. buddy. Th- thanks for that. So he's just walking around with his toy in his mouth. Um, oh, is he and, bringing it to you? And making that noise. So I, I just, sometimes I just like to give him some some soft support and tell him like, <laughs> yeah, no, I see it. Thanks. It's awesome. You're doing a great job. <laughs> he's, he, he wants to be a mouser so bad, but yeah. um, but I don't want that for him because I don't <laughs> want that for me. And so this is, this is as close as I'm going to get. Yeah, bud. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I think he's done. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but I thought initially that the it was the white Martian pretending to be Miranda Crane trying to get Jean to come out of hiding and using that as an excuse Ooh. to do it. But then at the end the real Miranda Crane <laughs> is like, "Oh, I've changed my mind on the anti-alien thing. Supergirl is cool and I like her now." Yeah. So it clearly the the real miranda crane was anti-alien so it did it it didn't make any sense yeah i I also thought i was like oh what a twist like (laughs) 
I also thought exactly what you thought. And then it turned out to be that the, the real Miranda Crane was still anti-alien. I see that uh, CM Gutierrez says, could the senator have been a Lex Luthor supporter or saw the anti-alien stance as a way to foster fear for political purposes? I guess we can kind of, I don't know about Lex Luthor, um, but I think the second one I could definitely buy into. It's like, you know, this sells. Let's go for it. Yeah, I mean, that that can always be the case. Politicians uh, can can go where the wind blows. Uh, <laughs> so that could be the case. And yeah, uh, you brought up Lindsay's comment. I like I like Lindsay's comment because Lindsay says, to be fair to the senator, Supergirl causes a lot of property down, damage. I can't imagine how high national city insurance premiums must be. Lindsay. You this know, is, I, this is what this keeps is me up at night. Yeah, this is this is this is Morgan's whole the whole thing. The real estate market there must be crazy. <laughs> Those prices every time, every time, every May, your your property values straight into the gutter. Yeah. <laughs> it's you, lovely until May, and then it's really dangerous. You got to get out of town. You got to take it's that like, vacation, like the, like the snowbird thing, but like everybody <laughs> leaves in May. <laughs> comes back after the annual crisis <laughs> there's a big hole in their their house <laughs> My <gotta> Kia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is not uh, a, a great place to live as we will discover over the course of the seasons lots of lots of things do happen uh so yeah i didn't fully understand uh miranda crane's beef with the aliens um, although I, to your point, I mean, it could have been a little more fleshed out in season one with all the, the newness of the aliens, but they really didn't go there. Um, so what did you think about the twist that, uh, Miranda Crane was the white Martian, or at least a white Martian was impersonating her? So at first I thought exactly what you thought, that it was like the twist was that Miranda Crane was the white Martian all along. And I was like, mind Balone, <laughs> trying to get like trying to get Jean out into the open, so sneaky. Uh, that would have been great. That wasn't where they went ultimately, and I was bummed. But uh, I did like that. I did like that twist where, and I liked the twist even better because they found it out through the power of photojournalism. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Jimmy was integral to the storyline. Without Jimmy, I don't know. Maybe Jean's dead. Without, without using one of his cameras of Jimmy's photos. Do you think that was his dad's camera? Do you think he Oh, used... it had to be. Uh, that's yeah. that's Only... the one with the power. Yeah. <laughs> I just really like that they're like they're looking at the photos and I was like that this is actually like a great way. I I'm joking. I was joking, but like this really is a good way <laughs> of like incorporating Jimmy's like job and like Jimmy Olsen into this episode and like letting him you know, use his powers of journalism to like get the job done. We'll see, you know, we'll see Cara do that sometimes later where she like remembers she's a journalist and like <laughs> does some research. Uh, and this was kind of like the Jimmy equivalent of that where he was like, you know, I'm a photojournalist. And Kat was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Um, but sure. no, Kat was like, but you have another job. Like, this is not your <laughs> you actual job. You have lay layouts, layouts you need Jimmy. To do. That's like mostly what I hired you for. <laughs> Jimmy's like, no, nah, man, this this bird can't be caged. <laughs> <laughs> but I did I did like that they found like a nice a nice uh, role for Jimmy in the story that like used the photojournalism because again, if I look into my crystal ball and I just guess that maybe they give up on that entirely that aspect <laughs> of his character and it becomes not important and it's kind of weird that James Olsen doesn't wow take what a prediction anymore. but. <laughs> 
here we are, early days. <laughs> I, it's amazing to see Jimmy Olsen using his powers of photography. How about that? Could you imagine? He's got things to do, and he's uh, <laughs> he's adding something to the plot and being integral in the process. Uh, yeah, so there was a way to utilize him in his photojournalism here in the story. So uh, he he he's basically the reason um, that they figured out that the White Martian was pretending to be Miranda Crane, which I have also I also have questions about this <laughs> because Jean makes a big or Hank in this episode. They keep referring to him as Hank in the description. Mm, I don't like what it. Do, what, what do we uh, call her? Betty? Betty, Betty. the description writer, writer from CBS? But listen, Betty Betty don't Betty don't have the chops that Veronica does. Let's be honest. <laughs> Betty's still trying to prevent you from being spoiled. Exactly. <laughs> Veronica's just making up storylines. The <laughs> show is not even putting in the episode. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, so Hank... He makes a big point in the episode saying, you know, all Martians have this link that we're linked to each other. But Jean isn't the one who immediately knows that the white Martian is uh, pretending to be someone. And then the white Martian doesn't know that Jean is the alien. Yeah. And they have to find out through the photojournalism. That's how they <laughs> like, why? <laughs> why couldn't they use the link to figure out who was who? <laughs> Very yeah, that does, that's a great question. I don't know that they thought that out very well. <laughs> I, I also liked later on in the episode, like his, uh, the white Martian's arm gets like chopped off or something. Yeah. And, um, and they're like, John, can you use that link? And he's like, yeah, just as long as it's in its original form. And I was like, why? <laughs> <laughs> So if it was like a human, uh, uh, in disguise human arm, like it wouldn't have worked, even though it's like the white Martian. I was like, wait a minute. How does this come on now? Come on now. He also said that the reason that the white Martian showed up was because he used his powers on Maxwell Lord. Yeah. Which doesn't seem like that happens later on. If I was to guess about the future of the series, that's not really something that comes back into play. No, I if I would guess that never comes back into play again, uh, or else there would have been, been a lot more. Listen, they could not afford those white Martian effects. They were expensive. <laughs> they were big. They had scary teeth. Um, that all cost, good that in this cost baby. Yeah, that all yeah. Cost money. <laughs> they didn't have that CBS money anymore. They're sorry, White Martian invasion. Because definitely at the end of the episode, um, uh, the White Martian in the form of the senator is like, there are thousands of us. Like, we're all, they're going to come and get me. And you're going to have to fight them. And Supergirl's like, bring it. And she's like, yeah, it's already been brought in. And then, like, Supergirl's like, I don't think so. I can see into the future. And this is never coming into play for me again. <laughs> <laughs> so it did feel like they were setting something up where, like, there was going to be some sort of, like, white Martian threat. And then, obviously, the change to overs in the networks. And that didn't happen. Yeah, I, I think white Mar Martians may have appeared every now and then on the show. I think there was a white Martian in the finale, the series finale. Maybe there might have been when all, randomly. 
when all the like the other villains the came back, like oh. like, <laughs> like Overgirl and stuff. Um, but uh, I I can't remember that exactly. The live chat will have to correct me if there was a White Martian in the series finale with Overgirl and Red Tornado and all those folks. Um, but they did have a lot of really uh, pretty good effect. I would say pretty good at White Martian effects where they did uh, big aerial fights in the air and. Uh, lots of, you know, big mouth, you know, white Martian mouth effects. Uh, so it was uh, pretty, pretty good for, for TV back then in 2016. So um, some of that still holds up. So it's pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah, that that moment where the senator turns around, uh, I, I believe the actress's name is Tawny. I know she's in Cypress, Tawny Cypress, because she is in um I believe she's in Yellow Jackets and she's really good in that unless it's a different actress, in which case I'm sure she would be good in Yellow Jackets. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm right. It is. Uh, so she's really good in Yellow Jackets. So I was like, Oh, Connie Cypress. That's cool. Um, but when she turns to the camera and like the bottom half of her mouth becomes like the teeth of the white Martian, I was like, that is first off, like legitimately scary. And second off, great effects. Like I was mm -hmm. impressed. Uh, I feel like, as we watch these, not all the effects are probably going to um, stand up to 2022. Although, again, more money. Um, but, the, yeah, I thought that the effects were really well done in this one. And, like, the, the White Martians looked great and really scary. And the fight scenes looked really good. And then, obviously, there was a lot of stuff with, like, John and the Green Martians that also looked really well done. So, they really blew the budget on this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. CGI. <laughs> Yeah, the, the flashbacks on Mars were pretty good. I thought the White Martian in the DEO cell where the White Martian was kind of banging up against the wall was pretty good there at the end. Uh, the Supergirl save of the family in the RV was... That didn't quite hold up. That was um, not as great. <laughs> but it was still it was still better than uh, possibly later on in uh, seasons in the future. If we were to go into the future and talk about this. If we episodes. knew about if we what knew that what come. was happening, um, <laughs> uh, we would probably see that uh, some of those uh, maybe not quite so great CGI effects in in 2016 are still maybe better than some of the ones <laughs> uh, later on in the future. Uh, but some of that I thought was uh, pretty good. So, um, so what did you think? Was since we talked about um, Jean's Martian past, uh, what did you think about David Harewood in this episode and the uh, the things that Jean was reliving? I thought that this was such a good episode for Jean and such a good episode for David Harewood. He's such a a good actor. I'm just saying the word good a lot, but uh, he's a, a great actor, and I think it really gave him a lot of opportunity to like get into some deep actory places and like you know his character has a lot of pain a lot of uh trauma and also a lot of anger as you as you would have uh to the to the white martians because they basically like you know killed all of the green martians and he's you know one of if if not the only, I think he's the only green Martian left, although sometimes Martians just sort of popped up at random. <laughs> show, so I, I'm always hesitant to be like, he's the only one because his dad pops up later and he's like, yo, what oh, up? You know, I forgot. I forgot about the other white Martian that shows up in the show. Her name Ma is Magon. Magon, yeah. <laughs> sometimes yeah. I forget about her because she just kind of disappeared in season six. So sometimes I forget that she, she was existed. kind of a big deal. And then suddenly she just disappeared. And then she popped back up and you were so excited to see her. And then she became uh, a mural. So, 
she had a real sort of up and down trajectory on the show. <laughs> but she was great. We all wanted her to stay around, but she just disappeared one day. Yeah, I feel like there were a lot of interesting stories that they could have done with her and like the white Martian resistance on on Mars that they were just like, we don't have the CGI budget for that. Uh, so they just sort of dropped it. But um, but yeah, there I mean we we did we do see some white Martians in the future and some of uh, not all of them are bad, uh, which I think is is really interesting because this one is like clearly like mustache twirling villain. Tawny Cypress is just chewing the scenery with her gigantic monster teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I thought David Harewood did a really good job in this one. I, I love it when he gets, you, you know, he does have some anger in this episode. And he does this thing where he sort of growls a little bit when he gets angry. And I, I like the, his performance in that because you can feel his anger. His voice gets deeper and and sort of has a growl to it. And I, I like that a lot. So I think this was the first time maybe, I, I don't know how you feel about this, Morgan, but maybe the first time that sort of the space family becomes yeah a, a space family is that yeah i think that's true i think he's he like pretty explicitly says it in this episode that like um you know you're not a replacement for my daughters but you are two sisters and you know i'm your dad now <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's like any father would be proud to have you two as daughters and they're like thanks dad oh no <laughs> what just happened did i imprint on space dad like a baby duck <laughs> i thought that was that that scene was really cute and uh he tells them his daughter's names and then um and then car hugs him and he's like that's enough hug. Uh, <laughs> which is so funny because it's a very season one John thing because like by season six, he's like, come on into the hug machine. <laughs> like, like any old person who wanders by, but he's a little bit more reserved and, and closed off. I also really love the... Um, the scene where he like starts sprouting off like he starts reading off his resume he's like i am 300 years old and i know a bunch of languages and i've <laughs> seen a bunch of stuff and you can't tell me what to do i just like the language line because it's just like so nonsensical it's like did you know that i'm multilingual and therefore i can kill <laughs> <laughs> Okay, there's some translators I'm afraid of now. <laughs> well, I guess he would have to know a lot of languages if he's going to shapeshift his people. Yeah, it makes I, sense. But now I have a lot of questions about shapeshifting. So when you shapeshift, though, like, do you have to, I assume you have to change your voice, you have to change your looks, but then you also have to, like, it, the language doesn't just come when you change oh, into yeah, someone else. Oh, yeah, I guess else. not. Like you, so if you, you changed to, like, into somebody it. and you didn't know the language, you would just kind of be bumbling around. You you sure would be. <laughs> uh, that yeah, I guess it it does make a lot of sense that uh, that he knows so many languages. I just like that he sort of threw it out there as like a as reason, like, as a, like a reason why he can just kill whoever he wants. <laughs> I got, I gotta fight this on my own. And I'm gonna do it like you know murder style, and that's because I know uh, Korean. Like, well, maybe sir? when when he's about to kill somebody, he has to do a monologue in their language. Oh, snap. And that requires him to know I did like languages. that they, they pulled out the Martian language in this one. Oh, yeah. They talk to each other in, in Martian. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think this might be the first time they do the Martian language. I think 
I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So they they do it quite a bit in maybe the future of the show. I hope we see perhaps, that again. Perhaps. Um, but <laughs> but it is cool to see them. Uh, and I would love to know uh, the. I don't know if they've talked about this in behind the scenes stuff. I've never seen it. But uh, if we ever got to have uh, either Tawny Cypress or David Harewood on the show, I would love to ask them about how they developed the Martian language. Oh and yeah. Maybe if they could teach us how to say something Ooh. in the Martian, so we could then. You know, I wonder theoretically if be able to do bad things because we know multi. Oh, multi- <laughs> we, we'd be Call, multilingual. I'm, I'm calling Lena and I'm getting my murder and leather jacket on. It's time. Let's go, girls. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if it's like, you know, they worked with somebody like um, some of the other like big fantasy shows like Game of Thrones. Mm like developed their own language, like the um, Dothraki. I wonder if they like worked with somebody who, you know, creates, you know, I wanted to say fantasy languages, but like non-real languages based on kind of realistic-ish language systems. Because I've read interviews with the guy who like created Dothraki and it's it's really fascinating. It, it apparently does kind of you know, follow language patterns and things like that. So even though it's a made up language, you know, they put some time and effort into it. Yeah. I, I think that stuff is really fascinating. I tried to learn how to do the uh, Kryptonian language from man of steel. Cause that's Ooh. a whole, that's a whole language that was developed by some sort of cultural ling- linguist, uh, some professional linguist. Uh, I've never been able to do it and I don't know <laughs> anyone who else uh, can do it. So that one is very difficult, but uh, it's really neat when they, uh, when those folks really put some time and effort into developing those things. The thing that I think would be really tricky about the Martian language is all of the apostrophes and oh, knowing where God. to put them and knowing how it was to wandering say them. apostrophes. <laughs> yeah, that's, they that's never the seem to be in the same place at the same time. <laughs> it really makes a difference in how Marin? you pronounce that word. Marin. <laughs> Will we ever know? (laughs) Truly, will we ever know? Uh, I see CM Gutierrez said, since John can read minds, does that automatically cause him to speak any language? Well, Hmm. I guess if if he could read your mind, he would have to know the language in order to read. Yeah. I wonder. In order to understand, he would have to. Because if you read something or if you if you take in a language and you understand it, it's because you know that language. Yeah. Does that make sense? I, that's what I would think too. I wonder if that's sort of how he's picking up all these languages that he's so proud of knowing. So maybe he doesn't have to learn the languages. It just comes with, well, no, he would have to know the language in order to read somebody's mind. Yeah. You think. Yeah. Like if you're thinking in Spanish, I'm not going to know much of what you're thinking. Yeah. So like theoretically, I could see inside your mind. But if I didn't know the language, I'd be like, well, sorry, that's we're running yeah. into a brick wall here. <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't I can't help you out with this one. I don't know this language. That's a good question. Hmm. Got some puzzlers now about the uh, the uh, language issue. <laughs> so many, so many questions about the Martian uh, abilities and capabilities in this one. Um, well, is there anything else with the Martians that you wanted to talk to before we moved on? 
Uh, I just thought that the, yeah, all the stuff with John in this one was really strong. I thought his performance was really good. And I think like when he gets really angry and, and wants to kill the white Martian, it's incredibly understandable. Uh, and I was like, Oh, does it make me a bad person that I'm like, do it. Um, but obviously Cara talks him down cause she's a much better person than me. <laughs> uh, but I, I thought, you know, that his backstory has always been really tragic and this is where we're really getting like the the biggest part of his backstory, like the full part of his backstory of him losing his his family and his two daughters and his wife. And I thought, you know, that even though obviously it's all CGI and um, it was just played really well. And then David Haywood really like grounded it with his performance. And you could really feel how uh, how eaten up about the whole thing he was and how much his trauma you know, really affects him. And also I think I like that the way that it connects to Supergirl and, and that she gets to have a moment with him where she says, Hey, I'm also like the last of my, you know, of my kind. And I, you know, and I wonder what, why my mom didn't, you know, jump into that space pod with me. And, but you know, it's, it's harder to get up every day and have that survivor's remorse and like, uh, I really, I really liked that. I, I liked that they gave, even though this is a very like John centric episode, they really gave her a tie into his story. Yeah. All good TV shows, in my opinion, uh, they have the main character and then they have the side characters and the secondary characters who have their own stories and their own things going on, but they should all revolve around the main character. Like there should be a sun and some moons. You know, <laughs> the main characters, like, well, I guess, the main character would be the son that or no. Hmm. I, sh- I shouldn't go with a space analogy. Now I'm trying <laughs> to think about who, who, revol- who revolves around who. Um, but basically all, all, all the secondary characters should revolve around the, uh, the main character. So I think that was done really well in this uh, first episode. So I would agree. I thought the uh, Martian parts of it were pretty good, even though I was confused about some of the powers. Um, okay, so since uh, we have uh, talked about the Martian stuff, uh, there was another big thing in this episode uh, that happened with Kara, and that was the fact that she had uh, found a le- she she uh, well actually she had been thrown a letter that Cat Grant had wrote to her son Adam, and then she finished the letter. Kara finished the letter for Cat and mailed it to her son. And Adam shows up in National City after reading the letter. So, uh, Morgan, do you think that it was uh, ethically okay for Kara to send a letter in Kat's name to her son? Uh, do, you, do you think Kat was right to threaten to fire her? Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. That is so <laughs> over the line. A lot of times Kat will threaten to fire people for things that are completely ridiculous uh, or have like ridiculous expectations where I'm like, settle down, lady. Uh, but in this case, I was like, yeah, actually, yeah, you would be fired for that. Like, <laughs> the nerve of Kara to pick up like a discarded letter that Kat was uh, writing to her estranged son be like (laughs) I can punch this up and then (laughs) and then to send it to him I mean I don't know what she was thinking Um, and it is really a testament to how much Kat likes Kara like deep down uh, not enough to learn her name properly or whatever (laughs) 
But uh, that she what if would, she what if she did know how to pronounce her name, but she just chose not to. I kind of truly a power play. I kind of truly think that that is the case. She's just, <laughs> just just like I need to make you feel small. Um, but yeah, if, of all the times to like not fire someone, this is the most fireable offense I've seen on this show so <laughs> so far. Uh, it won't be the only one uh, that we will see as we watch along. But uh, at this point, Cara was a decent employee. Uh, she showed up for work every day. Yeah, amazing, really good, for her. Consistent and committed. Good for her. Good yeah. for her. Every single day that she was supposed <laughs> to be there, she was there. Uh, that is almost unthinkable later on in this in the if, series if we were to see in the future if we knew what was to come yeah, that would be a remarkable if she if she really stayed the course with her job <laughs> we might think that this was a remarkable feat back in season one <laughs> uh but yeah it's incredibly amazing that she did not get fired for that you can't do that you can't do that don't you're not you're not her life coach don't be doing that stuff <laughs> At least I mean, get her permission first. It's not even that it's like your boss, which is also not good. Don't do that to anyone. No, I don't care. A boss, a coworker, good. a person that you just stumbled upon on the street. Don't don't do that. It worked out, I guess, kind of okay for her in this scenario. But, but what if it just didn't? Barely, <laughs> just barely. It almost didn't. <laughs> if I was Kat, I'd be like, listen. No, get out. <laughs> uh, so I feel like honestly, Kat was a very understanding employer in this one, which is not usually the case. But she was like, "Listen, your heart was in the right place, so sure, I won't fire you." She did. She did say, "Like you're fired." Yeah, immediately. She didn't, follow, she didn't didn't fire her. It. She didn't follow through though. She's like, <laughs> I, "I, I, I just love, I just love Kira so much." <laughs> Okay, so I guess we should address the uh, the elephant in the metaphorical room. Uh, Blake Jenner is in this episode as Adam Foster, who is Cat Grant's uh, estranged son. So, what did you think about Adam? Um, uh, these can these can involve your thoughts on Blake Jenner. If if you were to look into the future and know what became of Blake Jenner, you know, uh, if you wanted to address that, but uh, but. Uh, but I guess my first question would be, what did you think about Adam Foster as a character? Yeah, as a character, Adam didn't really do much for me. Like, I understand the character's anger towards Kat. Um, and I I do kind of understand why he got mad at the dinner when she was basically just humble bragging her way through a meal with him. It's like she she created the iPhone, Morgan. She, she should humble brag about that all the time. Created the iPhone. If only Bill <laughs> Gates would have listened God. to her. Uh, goodness. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I did, you know, if you've ever talked to somebody who cannot keep like, stop telling you about like people that they've met that are sound impressive and you're just like, oh my God, I just asked if you'd pass the salt. Uh, <laughs> you know how exhausting that can be. So I did feel for him and like, he's trying to get to know his mother and he thinks that she's going to show more of an interest, but she's like, I don't know what it's like to care about people who aren't myself. So obviously she's struggling there. Uh, and I, I really liked at the end uh, how Kara sort of inserts herself into the situation. She's like, listen, I can help. Um, and kind of is works as the translator uh, for the two of them and like allows them to have like a nice moment with each other. I thought that that worked really nicely and, uh, and really shows how much she cares about Kat and honestly how much 
Kat trusts her, even though she's doing some crazy stuff uh, <laughs> that I don't know that I would still be trusting her, honestly. But, she already uh, <laughs> inserted herself. They might as well just go for it. But now that she's inserted herself, sure, be our therapist. Uh, <laughs> but I really did like that. And I, I do love any time um, Melissa and Calista have like scenes together mm-hmm. and especially like big emotional scenes the adam character outside of that didn't do a lot for me and then obviously i'm looking at it with the hindsight of knowing that um blake jenner was melissa benoist's uh husband at the time and that it turns out that he's been uh that he was abusive and so obviously it's a little cringy when you're watching it now especially like the the scenes where he's flirting with her but also and i'm just gonna put it out there like i was like okay just try to watch it on its own marriage don't try to put that out of your mind don't think about it he is not a good actor i didn't think so either in he is he is wooden it's it's like uh they're like ooh, that guy was flirting with you and like car i would have been like how could you tell he <laughs> has that one facial expression and it's a little mad um yeah he there was he was obviously trying to go for like big emotions uh but he was not getting close to any emotion really he was very um he's very wooden uh and and really honestly detracted from that storyline and i was like okay some of this is probably you know me looking back with uh with you know foresight from the future um but i i don't think all of it was honestly i just don't think he's a very good actor no i i think uh you are spot on with a lot of that because even when i was re-watching it for our discussion uh back in the past in 2016 i had the same conclusion i came to the same conclusion that some of the some of the readings of his lines were not very compelling there was he didn't have a lot of presence in in a lot of areas um some of the ways he interacted with Melissa as Kara like was okay but some of his scenes with Kat were not as strong like there there could have I think been a way that you could have made some of those scenes stronger and they just they were I think I think I think Callista did a lot of the heavy lifting in a lot of those scenes yeah um so I I think that could have been better I I think a director could have maybe pulled more out of him yeah i think that when he was in scenes with melissa because you know they knew each other at the time it was a little bit more natural but when he was in scenes with calista it was very uh it was painful honestly like he he felt like he was kind of drowning out there and calista was like trying to save him uh but there's only so much you can do and she's obviously a very very good actress. Um, but you know, if your scene partner is not giving you much back, like she was basically kind of just monologuing. Yeah. It felt like in some of those scenes. Um, so yeah, it's, it's too bad because I think the storyline on its face is really interesting is like the idea of, of her not having been ready for motherhood and, and really now wanting to be involved in her more or less adult child's life. But the actor honestly like really brings down that storyline. I didn't come out of that episode being like, man, I want to see more of like Adam and his relationship with Kat. And I was just like, oh, God, I know that this guy's in more stuff in more episodes and now I'm bummed. (laughs) Yeah, I think it could have been a lot better. But I think the cat aspect of it, I think, was good. Um, There was a there was a moment where she says something about I never got to put a picture that you drawn on the fridge i never got to tell you stories and i never got to teach you how to not be afraid of the world i thought all of that was really nice the 
the dialogue for that, the way that Callista delivered it, those those things I thought were, for me at least, uh, emotionally uh, affecting when I watched it. Maybe not on the Adam side of things, but on the um, on the cat side of things because of Callista's performance. So that I thought did work um, with those scenes. Yeah, I thought the storyline itself, like I didn't really have any issues with, and and we had sort of already established that. Cat had, uh, you know, an older son, and I really liked a lot of, yeah, I really liked that that insight into into Cat's sort of ang- angst that she's had for years about not knowing, uh, not knowing her son. I think Callista did a really good job with that. Uh, Cien Gutier uh, disagrees with us, which is totally fine to do if you're in the live chat. Yeah, uh, saying I disagree about Blake's acting. I think Adam was keeping an emotional wall up. Uh, to a mother he didn't know at all. He had no clue what she wanted after he uh, getting a random letter. I mean, there there is a case to be made about that. He like showed up in National City and he was like, "What's this about? I got your letter. What what gives after so long? What what is happening?" So I can definitely understand that part of that uh, side of it from the Adam character. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about Morgan is we're we're eleven episodes into season one. I know, and already. We've had uh, Kara uh, googly eyes over James. Sure. Uh, we've had her had a, uh, a pretty serious uh, friend breakup with Wen, uh, mm. or, or at least a you know a giving him time and space situation. And now they're introducing another love interest in just eleven episodes. Uh, so, uh, well, what do you think about that? Is that too much? Do you think or it does seem like or, a lot of drama in her romantic life? Like yeah. somehow somehow she's got so much drama in her romantic life, but she's still like incredibly single. <laughs> uh, which I feel for. It's like, girl, you know, that much that much, and you should at least have like someone buying you dinner. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I I I don't really I don't know that this with the love triangle kind of happening, the Maybe the love square because Lucy's in there oh, yeah. too. Yeah, Lucy uh, made one scene appearance in this one. She, I think she had one line. They paid Jenna table. for one scene, and it was like she went, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> she was like, "That's not how that works." Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. She's so uh, she's so funny as Lucy, uh, and I, I loved that line. But like, then she never shows up in the episode again. I was like, <laughs> "She's having just, a great easy time on Super." We're setting money on fire here at CBS, <laughs> aren't we? <laughs> Get a big name guest star, say one line in a board <laughs> meeting. <laughs> That's how you know it was like 2016. They were like, what are budgets? <laughs> Network TV is going to live forever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I think that, you know, there's like a love, essentially like a love square, like sure, the win situation, not resolved exactly, but you know, the, like the tension of like, does she have feelings for wind deep down inside seems to no. Uh, but the, like the, the James Lucy stuff still happening. Like, do we need another love interest while there's still like a love triangle going on? It, it just feels like too much. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm bringing in some knowledge from the future, but I, I do feel like I remember reading some stuff where, uh, Blake Jenner um, was kind of controlling and uh, and so I can read between the lines of like maybe him wanting to be a guest star on the show 
and the love interest so he could like keep an eye on her. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it does feel like it's not necessary at all, like this the the ro- like the romance aspect of that storyline feels a little tacked on. Like we've already got her, uh, you know, dealing with the fallout from wind dealing with sort of, she has like a little moment with Jimmy in this episode where they're like looking at photos. And <laughs> she's really romantic. They're in that's Jim, at photos that's like Jimmy. Jimmy's like, I just came from the dark room. <laughs> My favorite place to be. So he's in a romance mood. Right. And, <laughs> and she's looking at his photos and he's like, wow, you really like that one. Right. Like, <laughs> The Martian. Uh, so obviously there is some romantic tension there. Uh, it just feels like too much. Honestly, it's too much. She's dealing with one guy who liked her and told her one episode ago who's like not talking and to her right now. kissed her. And which, kissed her. Which, which is a pretty big deal. Yeah. And it's not, and it needs space and it's kind of not talking to her right now. Another guy who has a girlfriend <laughs> whose photo she's and looking at. <laughs> moved in together. Yeah, that's true. They're moved in together. He's been to Thanksgiving. Uh, <laughs> never forget that. And now she's got like a third love interest. It's like, it's too much. It's too many love interests. <laughs> I would have been okay with the Adam storyline because I think the Adam storyline is interesting because it's Kat's son. So yeah. there's a conflict of interest there because uh, Kara has to deal with uh, what if it, things don't work and then she still has Ooh. to work with Kat, you know, like I think I think <laughs> I that's wouldn't kind of, do it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's uh, and and that also makes the whole letter thing even worse. She finishes a letter that Kat didn't finish finish and then she sends it to the son the son comes to national city and then Kara ends up being asked out by the son to go on a date yeah like if this ever happens to you in your professional life and i'm sure it happens all the time to all of us <laughs> who among us right uh you're gonna want to say no thank you uh, <laughs> no dinner sounds great you're great uh lo- love it no, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> because there's really like what you, you got to commit to marrying that guy now. How much <laughs> you got to you got to wait. How how cute is he? Is he cute? <laughs> how much do you like your job? Like, is the job up here and the cuteness mm. kind of here? Okay. <laughs> well, if you if you go to dinner with him, you now you have to marry him now. Are you comfortable with that? You comfortable with that? You got to quit your job. You got to marry him. Those are your two <laughs> options that you have. Don't do it. Just don't do it. it, it it's a lot. It's a lot involved <laughs> in that scenario. But, it gets real complicated real fast. <laughs> I so, love how how Kat was like so horrified by him finding Car cute too. She like just couldn't understand it. She's like, her? <laughs> her? I love I also loved her weird comment like where is Kara? Oh, probably in the bathroom getting muffin out of her hair. Do you think and I is, think that probably happened at some point. That that sounds like Kat was speaking from experience. Because to me, it kind of speaks to did Kat throw a muffin at Kara earlier in the day? Is that what we think happened? <laughs> uh, that's like, exactly she, what happened. I've told her my muffin order a million times. <laughs> you only you only learn when I throw the muffin at you. See, in in my theory, I think uh, Kat still knows that Kara is Supergirl. I don't think she was fooled in love. Uh, uh, nice, Blood I Bonds. like it. And so she knows if she throws the muffin at Kara, it's not going to hurt her or affect her in any way. So I think she knows that she can do that kind of thing. Supergirl <laughs> can take it. I love it. That is that's my theory. But I think the Adam storyline is interesting. 
I just, uh, I think the fact that it was thrown in there after all of the James stuff and all the wind stuff, it's, it, to me, it's too much. Yeah. Uh, it's like to timing put all that in like, at the same time. You got to space it out, man. You got to space it out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, Danny had a comment in the chat that I wanted to address <laughs> with you, uh, saying Cara would never survive on a show like Love is Blind. She so- would not. Mor- Morgan actually got me to watch Love is Blind season one. I have not watched the latest season. Oh, uh, it's but- great. <laughs> if you think that the contestants were like right on the edge in season one, you're like, yeah. oh, these people, these people are not doing well. <laughs> Wait until you get to season Ooh. three. Because season two, it gets a little bit worse. And by Wait, season, there a season three, I, I didn't know there was a season two <laughs> yeah. and three. So da- Danny has been <laughs> oh, accompanying okay. me on the journey of watching season I'm three. I'm behind. Okay. Uh, so I, uh, Mike and I will text her like, oh, my God, can you believe? Uh, can you believe Bartice said that? What a jerk. Um, <laughs> the, the people the people are just really like they're barely hanging on this season. And <laughs> it's a mess. It is messy. I highly recommend it. <laughs> So, do you think Cara would survive on Love is Blind? No, because I think she's too nice of a person. Like, I think she would get out there in the real world and her, and whoever she matched with would be like, you were hotter in my mind. And she'd just be like, I need to leave. Uh, I think I think, I think think that Cara has too much self-respect to uh, to deal with some of the things that happen on Love is Blind. I think that I think that she's like one of those kind of people who, who really could fall in love with anybody yeah. and like their beautiful souls. But right. uh, that's not the case on most most seasons of love is blind that show is wild i gotta get back into it it's great Um, highly recommend yes uh okay so uh let's uh let's talk about uh one big more uh one one uh additional thing in the episode so we get a little bit of a cliffhanger at the end of this one and uh uh cara and alex are at Cara's apartment and they're watching the news and they see they see Supergirl on the news, but that's not Kara. She, oh. She's not she's not there. This is live television. That's that's not Supergirl. <laughs> Do they know uh, it's not Jean? <laughs> so, what have you been up to? <laughs> so, uh, what what do you think about the cliffhanger of this additional Supergirl? I really like the cliffhanger. I think it's really it's really clever how that plays out, where they're like watching the news and they like both look at like Alex looks at Kara and Kara's like, "Well, I'm here." <laughs> Uh, and I think it, it's it really does leave you off on such a good cliffhanger because it's like, who is that then? And how did they how did they get there? And how do they have powers? And you know, it just really wants it leaves you really wanting the next episode like immediately. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's pretty good because it definitely looks like uh, Melissa Benoit's Supergirl. So it sure uh, there, does. There is a big question about that that we will. Uh, uh, get to address in the next episode. Uh, but Morgan, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about with this episode that we didn't address? No, I think we got everything. I really like this one as a as a good Jean episode and kind of setting up Martian Manhunter and his backstory and, and everything like that. And and also the White Martians, which they'll, you know, in if I looked in my crystal ball, I would see maybe they'll come back into play, but not in the way that we think. Uh, and I do like that in the future, they kind of flip it on its head. It's like, you know, this White Martian is, you know, fighting against the other White Martians. And she's sort of like part of a resistance. And I think, you know, you're you're sort of seeing some of those storylines get set up here. Um, I, I do wish they had done a little bit more with the White Martian 
aspects of like and the Martian overall Martian aspects that they set up in this episode, uh, because a lot of that stuff we <laughs> just won't see again, uh, like the idea that the the white Martians have tracked him all the way down to Earth and there'll mm. be many more to 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 try to kill uh, Martian Manhunter. And then, you know, if he was waiting around, he'd be waiting for a long time. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's already been here 300 years. What's another 300 years uh, more to wait around? No big deal. Yeah, I would agree. This is this is a good episode. Uh, there's, there's some really good, uh, especially Martian Manhunter things in here. And I think some good Cat Grant scenes. So uh, I, I think this is a good solid season one episode. I'd, I'd I have issues with blood bonds, but for the most part, season one, I don't think is missed. No, season one's been really strong. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, if if we're thinking about, you know, quality of episodes, I think all of them have been pretty good, except for uh, a camera chase. That's the other that's the oh, other God. Kind of questionable <laughs> thing in season one. That one's like, gonna come forever on, haunt me where I was like, Anya? <laughs> Why are we- why would they cast Emma Caulfield? There, uh, there's there's some things that deserve uh, you know objective criticism, but uh, on the whole, <laughs> I don't I don't think the episodes are really missing too much. Uh, so good episode. Well, uh, I guess we should. Um, oh, before uh, we do, I yeah. see a comment from Aaron who says, "Before we finish discussing the episode, I want to mention that I like the notion of family in this whole episode, and not just genetic, but also found family." And the notion of survivor's guilt that Jean and Cara discussed. So, yeah, nice the uh, the the uh, genetic family I think was addressed obviously with Cat and Adam uh, because they are biologically related. But then, uh, then I guess you have uh, Alex and Cara with with Jean, a space dad, and then there's a talk of. Uh, Jean and his two daughters. So there's a lot of uh, family dynamics that you could uh, talk about within this episode. I would even argue, because I think season one, for me, this is how I always saw it, that that Kat was sort of the maternal figure for Kara in the replace of, you know, not having a real... But you know her her mother is in the DEO as a hologram, <laughs> but but she doesn't have a like a physical mother at least in this season. Uh, that may change in the future, say in like a third season. But uh, but here in season one, she doesn't have. She had well, I take that back. She has Astra, who is her aunt. So there's a physical biological relative there. But yeah, but for Kara, I think Cat is a very maternal figure for her, who she goes to a for advice, who helps cheer her up, who um, uh, just really is a, a good sounding board for her. So I think there's a little bit of a found family between Kat and Kara. That's that's what I would argue. So I, th- I think the uh, the show did a pretty good job of that, especially early on, um, uh, circling around those ideas to, to maybe make it uh, thematic as a whole. Um, very cool. Well, thank you for those thoughts, Aaron. And I think we should hop back into the Legion Cruiser and we should go back to 2022. So we're going to go back to the future and then we'll address address the feedback of no, the feedback of the present about the past. It's getting a little confusing here in the past. We're going to go back to the future. <laughs> and, then, and then that way we don't have to uh, figure out what time it is. So let's go back to the future and then we will get to some feedback. <laughs> All right, Morgan, do you want to uh, get to our first email? 
Sure. Uh, Mark wrote in to share some thoughts about Strange Visitor from Another Planet, saying, I have to admit, while I've been listening to reviews, I haven't been following along by watching the season one episodes. Mark, how dare you? Uh, I feel that I'd inevitably be left comparing the way the show started to what we got in season six and not have a good time. Having said that, I loved Morgan's depiction last week of Toy Man having some kind of uh, felonious cats in the cradle moment of parental regret and hoping that he wins. <laughs> would be able to catch up on time lost once they were in prison. <laughs> uh, as for this week, I just want to call out the worthless, no good, monstrous uh, piece of poop. Well, uh, yes, yes. Yes, who uh, only had the privilege of knowing Melissa because he won a reality show. That's true. Blake Jenner got his role on Glee by winning the Glee Project. Uh, now I have to put that heartfelt sentiment out into the universe. Have a great week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is hard to to look past that sometimes uh i i have a hard time sometimes now like looking back at smallville stuff if i'm looking oh, at like yeah. <laughs> uh, like like if i see a poster you know in the twitter timeline or something it's it's hard to to look back at smallville now with with some of the things that are, are going on while i'm same simultaneously watching the vow on hbo max it's, <laughs> diff it's difficult to separate the the reality yeah. in in the art uh, so, so that can be difficult, especially with this Blake Jenner situation, because uh, we we have uh, not a, a lot of details, but we do know some things that happened with that situation, and it was pretty bad. So, um, so it's 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 tough to figure out how to address the art objectively while also also having that. Yeah, real real life reality. Um, I had to here. ask myself, I was uh, as I was watching, do I think he's a bad actor or do I just hate him? <laughs> uh, and the answer is probably both. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, good job. Uh, yeah, I think that's yeah. It's 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 a really tough situation. Obviously, you know, as Supergirl fans, we we all kind of uh, feel like we love Melissa. And so we don't like anybody who would ever hurt her. Um, so it is hard to go back to those episodes, honestly, and, and watch them, especially because some of the stuff that's come out has been about how controlling he was. So you have to ask yourself, like, did he force himself onto this show so that he could, you know, keep an eye on her? Uh, and it makes, you know, it makes watching the episodes where it's, there's like, oh, he's flirting with you. And it's like, oh, you know, there's... Yeah. It's it's tough. Like you mentioned, it's a Smallville thing where it's like, will I ever be able to enjoy my favorite character on Smallville again? No, I won't. <laughs> it is just not the same. So it does, eventually, it does color it a little bit. What has ended up happening for me is eventually I'm going to feel weird about all the shows I liked. Buffy, Smallville. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out everybody was a creep on One Tree Hill. <laughs> So, I mean, any show, if you wait long enough, like there's a, yeah. like a ticking clock that happens once a show ends where like 10 years down the line, you find out, you know, somebody was a big creep. And then you're like, well, that's going to make it feel funny when I watch it again. <laughs> yeah, it's even now. Uh, now I have to really focus in on 30 Rock. Because of the Alec Baldwin stuff. So oh my it's God. Like, yes, that's right. Uh, yeah, it's like time comes for us all almost. Yeah. But it's like everybody turns out to be a little bit terrible sometimes. And it's like you're just kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop on something that you liked 10 years ago. And it always does, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, sometimes sometimes I, I just wish I could like turn part of my brain off and just enjoy. I used to be able to like this in an uncomplicated way. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a thing I say to myself when I watch Buffy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
So that is hard. So I totally understand that, Mark. Um, okay. So uh, Daryl also wrote in with some feedback about Strange Visitor from Another Planet and uh, writes, quote, even from the start, I think everyone could tell Blake was only in the show due to his connection to Melissa. But the truth coming out about their relationship was exponentially worse than we could have imagined. It's truly a credit to the writing that his scenes with Kat are so good. Kara went so far outside her professional bounds in sending the letter that Kat was right to fire her. I'm surprised Senator Crane is never mentioned again after season one, considering the anti-alien sentiment that appeared in later seasons. I wonder why she's so anti-alien in the first place. And uh, Daryl also says, I have no idea why Kara constantly forgives Jean for using kryptonite on her, unquote. So, yeah, that is a good point that uh, Jean had to, uh, he felt like he had to stop Supergirl from uh, preventing him from killing the White Martian uh, by using a kryptonite handcuffs. And it is one of those things where it's like, where'd you get those kryptonite handcuffs? Why, why do you have those? Why, why, why do you have, why do you have those? What's that? What's that about? Cause, uh, <laughs> cause wait, no, I, I don't guess it's until season two when he uh, tells Superman to fly the kryptonite away. Uh, cause that happens. I think in season two when Superman first oh, yeah. shows up. The DEO gets rid of all their kryptonite. But here, they got a lot of kryptonite. They're making they, handcuffs. They, they got, got everything. Stockpile. Somebody's out there back there making, like, jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so some of the, uh, the other things that Daryl mentions, uh, we had the questions about Senator Crane. Um, and definitely Carl was out of line uh, with the letter and cats. So definitely some questionable things in this episode uh that <laughs> definitely cause some complications for all of the characters well uh morgan shall we uh get to some snap judgments yeah in the game of snap judgments each person is presented with two options but must only choose one first instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary so, first snap judgment. If Kara had finished a letter that you had started and sent it without your knowledge, <laughs> would you fire her or keep her on to make a dinner reservation for you? <laughs> it depends on how hungry I am, I guess. Is, mm. is, is, the is, it a hard, is it a hard to get reservation? <laughs> <laughs> is she also paying for the dinner? That would also be... Oh. Uh, that would be uh, also something I would think about. I mean, I she's fired. I that you're overstepping personal boundaries. That's not part of your job description. That's not why I hired you in the first place. You're fired. I'm sorry. You you've got to go. Listen, I, I I love you, Cara. I love you, but no, you're fired too. <laughs> yeah, no. What you did is so weird. I'm now. <laughs> I'm now really creeped out by you. I'm now, I'm now like in this scenario, I'm going to be like, is she reading my emails? Like, <laughs> what else is she doing in my life? You just turn around. She's right behind you. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. You got, you got, you've got to leave. <laughs> do, you, do you think uh turnabout is fair play that like you would, if, if she did that to you, <laughs> would you then maybe say, I get to, I get to write a letter in your name. To someone of my choosing. Ooh. Like I think yes, that would be the fair way to handle your job. <laughs> but only if I can ruin your life in some <laughs> small way. <laughs> you accept the bargain. And I'm like writing a letter to Lucy. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you like it. <laughs> Let me tell you about what happened in the dark room. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
<laughs> she's like, oh no, not the rom- not Jimmy's romance spot. Uh, <laughs> I like that would be funny be- just because Kat already is like, you and Jimmy keep making eyes at each other. So it's not like she hasn't picked up on No, Kat definitely knows. Uh okay. Uh our next snap judgment is which cat grant interview would you want to see the most? Cat interviewing Putin, Pope Francis, or Taylor Swift? So this one had three options. Yeah. Normally we just have the two. Uh, but this one had three. I would like to see the Taylor Swift interview. I think she would really go after Tay Tay. Tay I think she would go after Taylor Swift, T Swift so hard. <laughs> that would that would be i was gonna say taylor swift too but all but i kind of want to see pope francis because <laughs> i feel like he's just going to be very confused like he's going <laughs> to be in the room he's going to be like oh my interviews are always so nice and like my interviewers are like so kind and uh bless you ch- my child and then she comes in like she comes God's in like reason. i've got i've got some questions for you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pope Francis is just like, oh dear. <laughs> I would want to know what questions she would ask. Pope I don't Francis. know. I I don't know. I feel like she'd come with some hard hitting stuff that would make him feel weird about the interview. <laughs> She's like, I'm not afraid to ask the hard hitting questions. And and uh, Adam's like, okay. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. I think that I any of those would be would be great. I I I would love to see her like Oprah style interview with Taylor Swift. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think in, like, uh, in the garden somewhere, <laughs> T Swift would uh, leave crying. I think. Oh, uh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, we have a snap judgment from Aaron who says, "Who are you brave enough to snap at, like Cara did in this episode? Cat or snapper Car? Is this a metaphorical snap? No, no, you're snapping at her. Oh, just snapping right in her face. Wait, just when like did Cara, Cara did. snap at Cat? Uh, she, she did in this episode, they were talking about something and she goes like that. Oh, and Kat, like turns around, looks at her like, don't you did, don't you dare. Ooh. So brave we, enough we, to snap at cat or, oh, I think I'd be braver. Definitely, uh, braver to snap at snapper car. Oh yeah. I, yeah, I don't, I, cat is too intimidating. I think no. I could at least justify it with snapper car. Cause it's in his name and you know, that's his, that's. What we're told in the comics is his thing. And that, I think that would signal like, yeah. hey, listen to me, buddy. I'm doing your thing. <laughs> so I think I think I would probably be braver to snap at Snapper Car. Yeah, I would do Snapper Car too. Because like, maybe you unlock Ooh. the snap inside of him. Yes. And like, oh, <laughs> something about that felt right. You are his origin story. Yes, you snap at him and he, and he goes, well, that's unlocked something inside. <laughs> And then he now, just like goes out the door. Uh, but yeah, but cat's going to ruin your life. If you do that. But. No, no, you're, you're immediately fired. Uh, those are some good snap judgments. So I think that's all that we have. So uh, that'll take us out of snap judgments. No judgments on your snap judgments. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio Rewind. And uh, before we get to the Supergirl Radio and DC TV uh, podcast plugs, I wanted to mention that we did end our uh, plugs Ooh. contest. And uh, I've got a... On the stroke uh, of midnight on All Hallows <laughs> Eve. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, uh, Morgan and I need to sit together and see if we need to... 
uh, narrow some things down, decide what we're going to do about winners. Um, and so then we will uh, hopefully we'll be able to announce that next week. Uh, so that'll that'll be something to look forward to. We'll have those uh, plugs ready to go uh, in the next episode. Uh, but until then, I guess we'll do uh, new Rachel's uh, one final time uh, before we bring in the new uh, the new plugs for a new era of DC TV podcast plugs. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Podchaser, and Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that includes music featured on and inspired by the CW Supergirl TV series. We are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. If you like what we do, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy our Supergirl radio live streams, make sure to subscribe to the DC TV Podcast YouTube channel and hit that notification bell to get notified when we go live and wired dc tv podcast also has a t public store so if you're in need of new dc tv related t-shirts tank tops sweatshirts onesies mugs notebooks pillows or stickers go to supergirlradio.com and click on the t public store link at the top of the page supergirl radio is part of the dc tv podcast network so if you also like the flash legends of tomorrow black lightning Titans, Doom Patrol, Batwoman, Stargirl, Superman and Lois, and the upcoming Green Lantern, Justice League Dark, and Strange Adventure shows, and DC TV After Dark. You can subscribe to the DC TV Podcast Mega Feed on Apple Podcasts. Follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter and like DCTV Podcasts on Facebook, or else. This has been a message from Hope, inhabiting the Flash Vessel, also known as New Rachel. And since Strange Visitor from Another Planet featured the National City Restaurant, Noonan's, we have some Noonan's designs in the DCTV Podcast Tea Public Store we'd like to suggest. Remember when they went to Noonan's all the time? Noonan's? They were always at Noonan's. <laughs> I don't know. loved it there. I don't know what happened later on. They, they were just like, we like this alien bar a lot better. <laughs> this is more our speed. Uh, but we do have some Noonan's uh, designs in the DCTV Podcast Tea Public Store. So if you want to rep your favorite restaurant slash coffee place, I guess Noonan's really did it all. Uh, so <laughs> if, you, if you want to support Noonan's, uh, you can find those designs in the DCTV Podcast Tea Public Store. So uh, really representing National City and the local business uh, <laughs> there in National City. Uh, all right. Well, we would also like to give a shout out to our uh, Legion of Super Sponsors for supporting the Supergirl Radio Patreon. These people are Michael, Sam, Anne-Marie, Yvonne, Nicola, Leslie, Abby, Ermgard, Miriam, Nicole, Faith, Brian, Ethan, and Danny. And if you would like to become a Legion of Super Sponsor, uh, it, uh, yes, a Legion of Super Sponsors. Uh, hmm. It doesn't work as a singular thing. I think Legion of Super Sponsors makes more sense of Legion of Super Sponsor. So. 
Yes, yeah, super sponsors. Yes. So <laughs> in, my, in my head, I'm like, that sounds weird as a singular uh, <laughs> noun. But if you would like to become a Supergirl Radio Patreon supporter, I guess that's a, a better way to put that. Uh, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash Supergirl Radio. And uh, we thank you uh, to all of those who support the Patreon and uh, help us out with Supergirl Radio. And if you would like to keep in touch with me, you can do that a couple of different ways. I'm on Instagram at the Derby Kid. I also have a YouTube channel that you can find at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod, where I uh, try to live stream on Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern about Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice reviews written by the top critics of Rotten Tomatoes. I've been uh, pretty busy here lately, and unfortunately, I haven't been able to do that. I'm, I'm wondering if I have to change my schedule uh, to a different night and time. I don't know, but I'm going to try to make Sunday evenings at 9 p.m. Eastern still work. I've just been pretty busy here lately. So uh, I am going to try to get back to that towards the end of the month. So just uh, keep an eye on it. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Uh, I, I should also mention I'm on Bill Meeks's podcast, Where I'm From. That'll be coming Ooh. up soon. I don't think that my episode has dropped in the podcast feed as of yet. But uh, he does have uh, the live stream that we did together on his uh, uh, YouTube channel, his Bill Mix YouTube channel. So I'll make sure that that is in the video description of the live stream and the audio podcast show notes. If you're interested in that, the, the live stream is kind of the, the big recording, but I think he's going to whittle that down to the best bits for the audio podcast. So you'll get the you'll get the raw uh, stuff if you watch the live stream. So uh, we had a good talk. Uh, I talked to Bill about uh, where I'm from, uh, Birmingham, Alabama, and the food scene in Birmingham, and uh, one of my favorite places, the Alabama Theater. So Ooh. if you want to check that out, you can go uh, to Bill Meeks's YouTube channel and uh, find that interview there. That's exciting. I will definitely be listening to that uh, to that <laughs> podcast episode and like jotting it down. Like, oh, the places to go, people to see. Really, if you're a big foodie, Birmingham, Alabama is like climbing the charts. Of, uh, there's there's a really big food scene here, and uh, quite quite a few good restaurants that I would recommend if you ever came to the area because uh, there's a lot of um, high quality chefs who have started nice. restaurants here. That's so exciting. It is exciting. Uh, I think that has contributed to some weight gain for me, <laughs> but uh, delicious food. <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's the price you pay, I guess. But, uh, but Bill and I had a good conversation about that. So he asked a lot of really good questions. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Mojo Tastic. And you can also find me as a co-host on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, where we've just finished our spooky season. Uh, and we are wrapping up and talking about some other things. Good question. What are they? I don't remember. I'm going to be honest. But <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have episodes coming out soon. So uh, you should check us out there. I think we still uh, need to talk about, uh, I think we might be talking talking about taylor swift soon actually oh speaking of tay tay yeah uh because her new album dropped and i think we've all listened to it or we're forcing amy to listen to it so we're gonna uh and kat's gonna tell me about um the taylor swift conspiracy theories which i'm really excited Ooh. like the people who like read into her lyrics and is like Ooh. who's she talking about is she talking about this person is she talking about that person what does this thing mean so i'm really excited because um i love it when people form conspiracy theories around things that don't matter matter um <laughs> like the more trivial the better for me uh so i'm i'm very excited by that one 
I would be interested in that because uh, I don't know many of the Taylor Swift conspiracy theories. I did recently, within the last year, learn about uh, the Paul McCartney theory that he, Paul McCartney, had died and they replaced Paul McCartney with a lookalike Paul McCartney. That was that was a theory I had not That's heard incredible. of. And then that. and then I went and did some digging on it, and it was a, a genuine theory. People had evidences <laughs> for it, and I was like. Maybe that isn't Paul McCartney. Like I started oh. to believe. <laughs> that's that's some compelling stuff. <laughs> Paul, is that you? I, I I love them when they're just like so far out there that you're like, that's that's fun. Like you know, <laughs> I Bigfoot's out there. So's Nessie. But uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, we'll be talking about that pretty soon. Yeah, I've also listened to some Bigfoot uh, thing. I, I love a conspiracy theory. My uh, my sometimes mom, conspiracy theories turn out to be true, so I never dismiss them unless they're really stupid. The, the Bigfoot, most of the time, it's out there. I think my mom every time I swear I like I go over there and I'll be like, "What's this?" And they'll be like, "Oh, it's like Bigfoot secrets or something." It's always on like it's always on like the History Channel. Though. Yes. And I'm like, "Where's the where's the history in this History Channel?" <laughs> What are you doing? Like, oh, you watch another Bigfoot show? She's like, that, they, they, they spotted him. <laughs> spotted well, him in the woods. I'm like, there I'm are sure some, they did, Mom. <laughs> there are some people who have really gone through that, that, that like, famous footage mm-hmm. of Bigfoot. And, like, they've narrowed it down to what it's not. And they yeah. can tell by the way that Big, Bigfoot is walking that it's, you know, doing something. And they, you know, they they figured out or they've narrowed things down. They, they, they don't think it's this because of the way it's walking and the Ooh. hair and the like they they've like analyzed it like the Zapruder film from the JFK assassination. <laughs> like I think that stuff is so fascinating. I'm like, does, does, please um, convince me does, of your theory. Does Bigfoot open an umbrella at any point? <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was you all along, Bigfoot. <laughs> so let's bring them all together. I don't know. I'm willing to hear people out. Like I, I'm not going to dismiss it. I'm not going to always believe it, but I'm at least willing to hear you out. Uh, so the Paul McCartney uh, theory was uh, quite juicy. There was like albums that indicated something and album covers and like it was a whole, was a whole thing. Cat Cat probably knows all about it because she's oh yeah, a big I'm gonna producer. ask her about. I'm yeah. gonna ask her about. This ask her. Ask her about. Uh, yeah, ask her about the Paul McCartney is dead conspiracy theory. Uh, nice. It's, it's quite. It's quite good. Um, well, cool. Well, I am looking <laughs> forward to that episode of the Legends of Tomorrow podcast and what you have to say about Taylor Swift. I would be into it. All right. Well, I think that is going to do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Morgan Glennon. And thanks for joining us for Supergirl Radio Rewind. McGurk! I love not typing. Not with my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? Is being, becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom. Because <laughs> she looks like a boss in this show. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. So fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. 